0: Hello and welcome to Sean White's solar and energy storage podcast. This week we're going to play part four of four of my interview with Greg Smith of Sonnen Batteries. Greg also was famous when he was the lead technical trainer for SMA. You might see him when you're walking around any big solar trade show. In this podcast we're going to talk about Greg's opinion against rapid shutdown of pv systems on buildings that's 690.12 in the national electrical code also he's going to discuss a book he is writing and we're going to finish it off with whole house backup and how fast a sonnen energy storage system can react to a grid outage which is 100 milliseconds on with the show nowadays we have rapid shutdown on the module level since anybody that's adopted the 2017 or 2020 National Electrical Code, which is most of the country now, and rapid shutdown is just for buildings. So we're seeing people almost being required to have module level power electronics up there. However, there's a couple of things out there that you can find from APS and from Generac where they can shut down the module without MPPT up there. Have you seen those or what do you think about that? Oh, yeah. What's your opinion?
1: Yeah, there are a lot of options out there, right? So rapid shutdown, right? Good job, guys. Now we have this article in the code that now makes everything more risky for installers. And so you kind of hit it, right? And I wonder if we didn't have the rapid shutdown kind of forced down our throats how well some of these module level electronic companies would be doing. But I guess the best way to, you know, for sustainability is to get something in the code that requires your product to be used. So that argument has so many layers to it. So now everybody is forced to use some type of module level electronic up on the roof now to comply with this asinine code article. And so now. Everybody has to have something up on the roof, generally speaking. So now we need to put things up there with the least amount of components since fewer components equals higher reliability. And I know I sound so disdainful towards this rapid shutdown, and you would be correct. I hope that is coming across because it is one of the most contentious, unnecessary articles that I have ever seen. Here's my perspective on rapid shutdown. Rapid shutdown in its purest form was designed to protect firefighters. That's what it's designed for. You know, I I don't like conspiracy theories and, oh, well, you know, how did they present this to the firefighters? You know, hey, you know that stuff's dangerous, right? And I've got two brother-in-law that were firemen, one in El Dorado County and, and one out in Pensacola, Florida. And the conversation that I had with them was a lot different. And, you know, they, I, I learned a lot about how they fight fires. And the bottom line for the rapid shutdown is that it made our industry riskier. It put our own people at risk, regardless of what you want. Well, yeah, those module of electronics guys. They were paying people or they were influencing them. Just take all of that out because none of that's going to be able to be provable anyway. But just go with the premise that. This was a great idea because it was going to protect firemen. Okay. So, all right. So let's take that premise. Let's look at how many fires we have, structural fires, and how many of those structural fires have solar on them. That would require a fireman to show up or, or a fire crew to show up on site to start fighting that fire. Right. And I've done the calculate. I've done my research The odds of firemen fighting a structural fire on a residence with solar is the equivalent of being struck by lightning twice in the same area, with or without rapid shutdown. So it's a very, very small probability. And who wants to be, right, like the butthole that says – you know, well, we don't need rapid shutdown, you know, uh, we, we don't want to come across as like we don't like firemen. That That's not what we're saying. But the firemen who have to fight a fire on a house with solar is such a small probability. I, I am such a numbers guy, and I, I love calculated risks, and it's small. Now let's go back to my original argument, the probability – of you going on a roof to swap out module level electronics is 100% as opposed to this very, very small percentage of a fireman who would have to get up there, a trained fireman to fight this structural fire. They're not going to bust through the modules. They're not. Even if you tell them, hey, that thing is shut down, they're not going to do it. They're going to horizontally ventilate in the side of the house, or they're going to bust out windows. Nobody in their right mind is going to put an ax through a solar module. That is a stupid premise. If they could even smash through it to begin with very easily, right? There's pictures out there or videos of SUVs driving over solar modules to show how strong they are. So if they're not going to bust through a solar module, And there's tons of other ways to ventilate that house. Why put this restrictive code article that puts our own people in danger? The majority of construction deaths in the United States is by falls. That's what it is. Now, the solar industry doesn't have a lot of recorded data for this, but you can make the assumption – that if the construction industry has a lot of fall deaths, then the same thing would happen to our guys because they're on roofs just like construction people. Hmm. So again, it's an unnecessary article. It would take some training on our part to train first responders on how to do this. But there's a lot of firemen who share the opinion that I have and a, also think that this rapid shutdown gives a false sense of security to everybody else oh it's safe okay start cutting start hacking away and that's not the case
0: okay great well it's good to have every different opinion so thanks so much greg for all your opinions on that (laughs) (laughs) i know i can't no no, i love i love like like, let my hair down talking about things that people think about and all that and you hear so many people Given us the other side of the story, and so it's nice to have your side of the story too. And I, I remember too when they started coming out with this stuff; it was, yeah, a lot of the German companies were just like, "That's ridiculous." And there's
1: tons of data out there, right? Mm-hmm. In in Europe, they think we're just they think we're stupid, and yeah. they have the data to show that because they've they've had this stuff installed, you know, for so long. And I mean, yeah. even when when the article was shoved into the code. You know, in 2014, it was so poorly written that it just made you wonder, like, why did you force this in, this stupid article that nobody could comply with, right? Well, but once you get it in the code, it's going to be hard to get it out. And then in the next 2017 edition, that rapid shutdown article expanded in word count threefold, triple the number of words. Oh, so they must have figured it all out. Nope, they sure didn't.
0: All right. So you were saying that you're writing a book. Do you have a name for it yet, or what's your book about? Oh,
1: my gosh. No, I, I don't have a book yet. I've been working on it for a couple of months now, and it was going to start out as a LinkedIn post. And then I realized it was going to get too deep, and it was actually going to be about managing customer expectations. So I was going to put my sales hat on, and then I realized that there is a much broader and deeper understanding that I could put into this book for solar and storage. So it has evolved from that. Like I said, I don't have a title for it, but it's gonna include the basics of what solar is. And we're gonna talk about IV curves. We're gonna talk about shading, myths and misconceptions about solar. And then we have to jump in and talk about the same thing for storage, because storage is gaining popularity and I see people asking the same questions, right? And so, yeah, it's going to touch on a lot of things. Like I said, I was just going to have a focused book just for installers. And then it really blossomed out into where even homeowners could read this book so that they could make
0: a more educated purchase. Great. I can't wait to read it. it I
1: can't wait to get done writing
0: it. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. If you wanted to me to introduce you to my publisher or anything like that, I could do that.
1: Oh, that would be awesome. Thank you. Great.
0: Yeah. And so a little bit about sometimes at the end of these podcasts, they say, how do people find you or follow you? Do you want people to find you or follow you? Or are you kind of enjoying hiding out at the, you know, during these times? (laughs) (laughs) Man, that's a great question. I I guess, um, I guess we could find you on LinkedIn. Yeah. I'm I'm probably
1: the most socially active on LinkedIn. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Great. Okay. Then I was just thinking of one last thing, too. Is there anything else that you wanted to bring up or say? No, been... I think I've rambled on. <laughs> yeah, we've gone, we've gone for a nice good while here. Oh, there was one more thing that I wanted to ask you about. Whole house backup. How do you talk people out of that? Wow. So that's a great question. And
1: it all depends on what the person wants, right? Okay, So they're always going to say, I want to back up a whole house. And with our EcoLinks and that energy automation feature that we have, that actually becomes a reality with very little backlash, right? Now, for the rest of us, a whole home backup is a very complicated thing. Now, I have a 20 kilowatt hour unit in my house, and I am backing up every circuit in my home except for my electric dryer and my three-ton air conditioner. That's it. But everything else in my house is backed up. And it all comes down to what the expectation of the homeowner is. Like, you could set these systems up between the meter and the main, essentially, to back up the whole home. That's fine. But it all boils down to what they want to run. I'll give you a great example of this. The first PG&E shutdown happened four or five months ago. And these people up in Northern California had one of our units, and two days into a five day PGE shutdown, they decided to have a jacuzzi party.
0: <laughs>
1: and within five <laughs> hours, they drained that battery all the way down, and they were without power until the next day when the sun came up and started charging the batteries and feeding the loads.
0: I'm so, surprised it made it that long.
1: I am surprised too. So it's all about managing homeowners' expectations. And if you have to roll up a newspaper and hit them on the nose and say, no, no, you can't run your jacuzzi or your 20 kilowatt glass kiln when the grid goes
0: down, then sometimes that's what you have to do. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. So then just one thing to finish off here, your system will transfer to the backup loads in 100 milliseconds. How quick is that? Is that like, or is it like, yeah, so can you just make the sound?
1: I don't, I don't know what the sound uh, equivalent of hundred milliseconds. Come on, give would be. me a sound. Just uh, hundred milliseconds, beep. tenth of a second. Yep. yep. And so <laughs> the lights, you may see them blink, but like it's quick. It's like beep.
0: Okay. Quick. There we go. Got it. Right. Thanks. <laughs> great. This has been a great interview. Thanks so much, Greg. Oh, you're welcome, man. It's good to catch up. Cool. All right. Thanks for listening to this interview with Greg Smith of Son and Battery. To find out more about everything solar and storage go to solarsean.com Over now